Campaign Types and Styles, Part 2. This is Demystified, solving DM mysteries in 20 minutes or less, because the only hard part is scheduling the next session. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Joey. And I'm Asaf. Today, we're going to talk about types of campaigns you can run. Not every campaign is the same. Not every story you tell is built from the same elements. Not every tone that you convey is going to feel the same. There can be horror, there can be scary, there can be fantasy, there can be escapist, or there can be funny. But really, what you tell and how you tell it can fall into some some broad categories that you can short for right away. And players will look for particular things. They can look for exploration. They can look for combat. What do you guys look for when you sign up for a table? What are you hoping to get out of a campaign? I want to have fun. I like to be silly when I'm playing and when I'm DMing. I don't want it to be too serious. You so, know. so not like grim dark or like grim survivalist. No, I mean, it's fine if like that's what I, I mean, I've played Curse of Strahd. I've played Rime of the Frost Maiden, and those are kind of grim and they have the horror survival tropes to them. But I still think there's room for the game to be funny and whimsical. One of my favorite movies of all time is Ghostbusters, which, if you think about it, is a story about the discovery of the afterlife, ghosts crossing over and terrorizing people, culminating in the summoning of an elder god who wants to enslave and generally end life as we know it. And it would be a horror film if the protagonists weren't comedians, if they weren't working Joes who were competent. So you can have a comedy in a horror setting. It's all about attitude. Azaf, what do you look for? Ideally, I like to have a campaign or, or join a campaign where my character idea has a, has an opportunity to kind of focus or, or do his thing, like go in his story arc and have that involved in it in some way. It doesn't always happen. And I'm okay with pre-built module where, where the character backstories have very little involved. Okay, so you want the campaign to be all about you. Not, not all about me, <laughs> but have my character's thing be present. Okay, so you want to feel like that your character has an impact on the campaign. Has an impact and was previously shaped and will shape. And what do you avoid if you are, say, shopping for a new campaign and a DM says, this campaign the players are going to blah, what might make you cautious? One of the things that I avoid is when the DM has... I'm putting emphasis here, a story they want to tell. Right. Because that, what that really tells is I'm going to be watching a movie where I'm going to be rolling dice periodically. Okay. And that can be fun. The sometimes. cinematic experience. Yeah. That's kind of, if you're going into Adventures League, that's kind of where that is. You don't really have a say for the start or the end. It's just kind of like, this is what's going to happen. You're just interacting with it. Right. Some people love that. Mm -hmm. It's not my favorite. It's not railroading, but it's more of a shooter on rails. Yeah. And the, there's a place for it. And if there's nothing else around, I'll, I'll do it. So have you ever had to shift as DMs? Have you ever had to shift what kind of story that you were telling or the approach that you were taking to the campaign? Oh, yeah. One of my favorite things that ever happened in a game is when my players derailed it. Okay. 
they had spent like three weeks, maybe a month, planning on how they were going to tackle a situation in the game. So I was prepared for that. They had signed up for like a tournament and they were going to rise through the ranks and take on the leader to overcome him to take over his place, whatever. Right. Well, one of the players decided that they weren't going to stick with that plan anymore. And they left their weapon with another player in the middle of the night while all the characters were sleeping. And a note, because they thought they were going to die. I think that's why they left the, the letter there. And decided to break into the tower where they were having this tournament. The player thought I was railroading them, but I had, had actually had this plan the whole time. The place where he was going to, he was trying to steal this scroll. The whole idea was that they were going to win the tournament, take over the tower, get the scroll. And keep it from another player who won it. He took the scroll and uh, gets attacked by the person who was guarding it. And uh, has to now try to uh, escape with it. And it turns out that the person who was guarding it was actually another player's character from another campaign. Okay. They didn't know that. I was like, all right, well now you take over. And the other player starts attacking them. Eventually they, they, they kill this character. They get the scroll. Big fight happens in the party over this whole thing that happened. That because right. they threw the, the whole plan out. One of the characters left, another one gets imprisoned, and the rest of the party, there's just three of them left. I had to completely change the whole story that I had planned for this whole campaign because they completely went off the rails. Bypassed a whole bunch of story and started something new. Yep. Yep. Okay, so it changed from a structured tower attack story? Tournament. Okay, a tournament story. And then it switched to either a jailbreak or a what? Yeah, it was kind of like a jailbreak. The three remaining people had to get back into the tower to free the one who had been imprisoned. Okay, so from a tournament to a heist. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I wanted to briefly talk about a short campaign versus a long campaign because there are stories out there of people who've been playing the same campaign for decades. And I feel like that that may be unattainable for most. The reason we hear about them is because they're rare. It's survivor bias. As a new DM coming into this, especially if you're playing with people who you've never played with before, don't plan a long one. Because as you have mentioned before, it's kind of like dating five people. Yeah. If you're meeting five different people and you're expecting to spend a 10-year-long campaign and three weeks into it, you realize Jim is a total jerk. I and am. he likes to poo-poo on everyone's plans. Mm -hmm. We're going to break up with Jim. Right. Or everyone breaks up. If you hope for too much and you don't get it, it can discourage you. Start off planning just a short one, a couple short adventures, maybe a couple of weeks with these people. Have an end to that say like we should hit the end of this adventure at this time and if everything works out you can pick the players that worked best invite some new players and get rid of jim get rid of jim <laughs> that way you still have some closure on it you get the, like i've completed this campaign the players feel like they've completed this thing they're comfortable they're happy but you're not stuck with jim for 10 years right right yeah i, I would agree with that i mean you should always have an end in mind for your campaign whether it's pre-written or homebrew yeah because essentially if you have problems in your third act then you have problems in the first act and so if you don't have an ending to write towards you can kind of lose direction and i get tired of the same characters every week i like to, to switch it up start something new sure sure 
it feels like that long-ish campaigns are the default that most people are exposed to. Critical Role will go 200 episodes, and then they'll end the campaign. Most D&D campaigns will go 20 to 60 episodes, podcast episodes, call it a season, and then move on to something new. But as someone starting out, I feel like that if you make it to six, then you've done really well. Yeah. And it's also story-wise, if you're new to, to DMing, it might be hard to come up with a 200 episode story right where the players feel like they're actually accomplishing stuff as they go yes it can be discouraging because if you are tracking progress against 200 data points and their experience is data point to data point they may not feel like they're making any progression yeah and also if you're planning 200 data points and your table falls apart at data point 7 you're going to feel discouraged cuz you'll be like I had 193 more to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And then you just keep on showing up to new tables with the same story, and maybe your players were abandoning the story and not you. Yeah. The opposite, I feel like, of short versus long. And this is almost a cliche where your campaign turns into a bunch of murder hobos just kind of fighting the countryside. Sometimes the people in it, and sometimes the countryside itself. So some people enjoy this. Some people really like combat. They like the whole combat loot reward quest cycle. I mean, those <laughs> those uh, campaigns are fun. One like big murder hobo campaign, I think, Dungeon of the Mad Mage. If you ever want to just murder hobo your way through something, play that campaign. And it takes you to level 22. Nice. I would say for me, the definition of a murder hobo campaign is when the only solution to every problem is to fight something. Right, right. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that fighting something is bad. Like, if you have a campaign where people are fighting every session, that doesn't necessarily make it a murder hobo campaign because that was one option that the players took that they didn't have to take, but they could. Right. Some players, when they sit down, all they want to do is fight every problem. And if you as a DM don't want to have that table, that's something that you should consider and talk with your players and say, like, hey, I, I don't want the only solution to be to fight people. Or if you are planning that to be your only solution, be like, I'm just going to have a game where we're just fighting everything. And your players are coming in and they're like, that's not what we want. Then having that communication and recognizing that that's not a good fit is also important. Right. So Murder Hobo only works if that's what the player and the DM are working for. And... Rather than try to use in-game mechanics to incentivize other methods, maybe just communicating with your players that, hey, here are non-combat incentives that you can use if you're not looking for a murder hobo campaign. Yeah, one of the things that can push players to become murder hobos is if you reward them only when they fight things. Right. And then no matter what they've first came in it'll be a slow progression to if i only get a bonus when i kill this guy why am i going to talk to him i think okay. a good remedy for that is just milestone no xp right which i feel like the opposite of a murder hobo campaign is the political campaign something that is incentivized against maybe killing people in the open political campaign can fall in yeah I, I think it's a, a broad category it doesn't necessarily mean that your characters are going to balls and and having only RP sessions, but it could also be games where the story involves the politics of power centers and how the players interact with 
But either way, it involves the players interacting with it in a way that isn't combat. Always. Yeah, political games, I think a lot of the games that I've run and played have those kinds of tones, but I don't think I would ever run a game that was purely political. Sure, sure. So the next set of contrasts, urban versus wilderness campaigns. So urban is something that takes place in the city, and wilderness is something that rarely enters a city. That falls into the setting of your story. Because mm-hmm. you can have a political urban or a political wilderness. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a hyphen or an additional tag to your campaign. Right. Where it should be something that's communicated. Tell your players, we're not doing wilderness stuff. Right. So that way you don't get a player coming in and being like, I want to be the ranger. Yeah, because urban really lends itself to certain rogue archetypes and wilderness ranger. Yeah, the urban wilderness kind of tells where the story is going to happen. I feel like with urban adventures, you have to do a little bit of extra thought into how encounters are going to play out and what kind of creatures are going to appear in these encounters. You have to, less thought goes into it in wilderness because you just, anything could appear in the wild. Right. And yeah, you have constraints with urban because you can't have giant ogres showing up in the middle of the city all the time. Otherwise, the city's just going to get wrecked. But at the same time, fighting assassins and thugs and bandits over and over again gets old too. Right. I think magic going out of control in the city is a good way to, to add a little bit of extra. Uh, interesting flavor to to encounters in the city sure sure yeah kind of building on what you said the the urban and wilderness it lends itself to like an urban lends itself to other solutions than combat because in any urban setting murdering people in the street is that's not a good thing right no you have to murder them under the street (laughs) Yeah. yeah So if you're planning on doing a political game, that is something that is easier to do in an urban setting. Right. It is harder to do it in, an, in a wilderness setting. It's still possible. Possible, but then you're dealing with good old boys and rednecks, huh? Or tribes of, you know, tribal group. There's ways to do it. You can be interacting with orc tribes and goblin tribes. And as long as the solution isn't just murder everybody. Right. You can do a political campaign in the wilderness, but that requires more prep planning than a political campaign in an urban setting the other is true also if you're doing a murder hobo type of campaign in an urban that requires more prep and planning than it does in a wilderness right unless it's a lawless city (laughs) could be the the pirate pirate base yeah yeah anything goes and something that is kind of distinct from wilderness i view it to be a survival campaign these are pretty rare because the environment is an enemy to be fought every session. Every day you have to forage for food and deal with storms and, and so on and so forth. I like other planes of existences. Yes. Yeah. I think going along with the survival is doing a horror setting. It's something that not necessarily the place it's happening, but to get a real feel for those, either a survival or a horror, you have to tack on something into the system so like one thing that really helps with a horror setting i was thinking about it it could really ramp up the horror feel for the players is the players don't track hp you as a dm does it right so the players never know their hp 
Oh boy. They know if they're fully rested, but if you don't tell them how much damage they're taking, you just don't, you get hit and it hurts and you're now wounded. That really ramps up the horror for the players because they're going to do things similar to a horror movie where they're going to avoid combat. They're going to try and avoid the monster. They're going to try and handle it in the safest possible way. The same thing with the survival. If you tack on a mechanic in there that might contribute, or if you use a mechanic that exists, use exhaustion. Yeah, there's a lot of mechanics there that nobody... (laughs) Use mechanics that exist, but emphasize them in your game. You can give that feel of survival or horror to your game, but it requires you as the DM to track it. If you're not tracking those things, then the feel of it goes out the window. You're not doing a horror. You're just doing a, a setting with ghosts. Right. Monsters or whatever. For survival, there's a lot of tools in the in the DMG in the player's handbook that you can use to make the survival aspect more prevalent to reinforce it. Plus, I feel like that it's almost a cliche where if you talk about Goodberry as the spell that ruins a survival archetype, it doesn't necessarily have to because Goodberry can heal and it can feed you for the day and it makes sure that scrounging for food is no longer a problem. But there are other mods that you can do that an empty belly isn't the worst thing yeah extreme heat or snow levels of exhaustion thirst goodberry doesn't give you water yeah so you can die of dehydration create water though yeah yeah but that's a different spell but now they're sitting there and, and wasting resources on that if they're going into fights and using up all their resources then they've wasted on those spells but again those two things survival horror those you really need to communicate with the players ahead of time you can't just spring it on it and say hey by the way well i know that you plan it on joining for this game but this is a horror game yeah all of these though short versus long murder hobo versus political urban versus wilderness yeah some of them require more communication up front than others Mm -hmm. Because they're so deviant from the norm, especially if you're planning on tracking a mechanic that is not one that is used regularly or one that you came up with yourself, that really needs to be communicated up front because you don't want to blindside players. Right. They're just going to, they're going to get mad and, and go away. Yep. That was another one demystified. Huzzah. Woo, huzzah. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. This was Demystified. If you liked it, we'd appreciate it if you could leave a review or share this with your friends. Our website is demystified.com, just the letter D, mystified.com. Do you have a question for us? Reach out via our Twitter handle, at Pickled Wizards, or ask on Facebook, at Pickled Wizards, same page. We might talk about your problem here.